0: Welcome to Lifebeat. Today we're going to talk the March for Life, which just happened on Friday, January 19th. And we're also going to talk about a big news item, which we'll get to later in the podcast. So. Natalie, you didn't go to the March for Life this year. What's with you?
1: (laughs) No, I went the year that there was Snowzilla and got stuck in D.C. for 10 days. So after that, I've taken a little bit of a step back. (laughs) But it was really cool getting to go there that year because I got to sled down the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. And during the actual March, it was really like perfect weather and it wasn't snowing yet. So that was kind of cool
0: yeah everyone remarked this year how great the weather was at one point, I took my coat off and I was just in a t shirt which is which is rare because uh ideally there's hundreds of thousands of people there, and you know the body he keeps people warm, but often the weather doesn't cooperate but this year it was beautiful and uh the big news of course was President Donald Trump addressed the March for life. He was just a couple blocks away in the White House rose garden, and that's a first um some people, I, I saw one uh, opinion columnist kind of uh, ding Ronald Reagan and George W. Bush for never doing their addresses live, but they still address the the march, so I thought it was good, and maybe now this sets a new bar for future presidents, pro-life presidents at least.
1: I'd like to hope so at least. It was last year too, with uh, the vice president going and speaking, I th- think that sets the standard high to show... To how committed this administration is to the pro-life movement and making sure we make some big strides forward.
0: Yeah, it wasn't just a it wasn't just a brief little message. You know, thirty seconds. yay, hey, yay, hey, Keep doing what you're doing. It was. Uh, I think he talked for almost like ten minutes. It seemed. Um, did you watch so. his address live or did you read the transcript?
1: No, we were able to in the office. We put it up on a projector in the like break room. So the whole office was able to come together and watch it. So that was kind of cool. And I liked that he had different people from the pro-life movement kind of on stage. He had some students there. And then he also had, like, women who found themselves in unplanned pregnancies and was able to talk about their stories, which was cool because it really showed, you know, that the pro-life movement really helps these women after they choose life, which is something we're criticized for a lot.
0: Yeah, you know, even though we've run pregnancy centers for, in some cases, more than 40 years, uh, you know, we still get dinged for that. Um, I thought it was really interesting um, with his speech that, you know, the theme of the March for Life was... um, we love, it, it was love.
1: It was like love, it was life, love life, life, love, life, love. Oh dear, this is horrible. Like um, but the, the
0: theme was love and it was really about um, how we care about people in unplanned pregnancies. And so uh, while Natalie looks it up on her phone, the wonders <laughs> of modern technology, um, you know, he really embraced the theme. He didn't just give a speech uh, you know, that was just free form. He actually gave a speech that was really in tune with the with the theme, and so that's what I appreciate. There's also a, uh, a great moment, uh, two great moments for me during the speech. The first one is when he mentioned uh, the recent uh, Knights of Columbus Marist poll on abortion that they do every year, uh, and the poll found that only 12% of Americans actually support abortion on demand For any reason, through all nine months of pregnancy, which is the practical effects of Roe versus Wade and Doe versus Bolton. And uh, President Trump actually mentioned that because a lot of people don't realize. A lot of people think Roe v. Wade, you know, kind of made abortion possible, and then there's all sorts of other things, and they just have no clue. And so uh, when Donald Trump mentioned it, I thought that was really great. Um, And I thought, you know, that's probably Kellyanne Conway's. Influence there, who's a great uh, pro-life person. So now you're going to tell us what the actual uh, theme was.
1: It was love saves lives. Love
0: saves lives. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And um,
1: Which also goes hands in hand with the pregnancy centers and kind of mm-hmm. what their message is to promote and save life.
0: Right. The, the one other moment in the speech I, I enjoyed, I'm going to be a little troublemaker here, but... <laughs> At one point, um, Donald Trump was listing some uh, important values of the pro-life movement. And he he listed them all out. And then he kind of, sometimes when he gives a speech, he kind of steps out third person in his speech. And he's like, those are beautiful words. I love those words.
1: (laughs) I love the running commentary (laughs) on
0: his own speech. Um, But no, it was well received. Everyone in the crowd really liked it. And so um, that was good, and I think everyone will be energized with that moving forward. Did, uh, did you see any media coverage of the march?
1: On Fox News, they did show when... That's the stream we were watching. Mm-hmm. They showed when Trump came out and talked, and CNN also covered it. I don't. CNN did?
0: Oh, that's awesome. Just
1: Trump's speech, though. Fox News did talk about the march a little bit and, you know, gave, like, a background on it and... So that was kind of nice to see that at least one news station was covering it.
0: Yeah, uh, I was following, you know, state media, and we only the only outlets that covered it were uh, M Live did an article, um, and uh, Wood TV did an article on the Grand Rapids Right to Life bus trip. I didn't really see any other outlets covering it last year because of the Women's March. Um, you know, we were able to leverage that into a lot of coverage. I was doing, I did an interview with a French radio station right. last year, but this year it was uh, not, not covered very well. Kind of back mm-hmm. to the norm.
1: <laughs> it was kind of interesting because, like, the next day was like the supposed women's march and being friends with some of, like, the Students for Life people on Snapchat or Facebook, a lot of them, like, went to the Women's March just to see what it was like, and several of them made comments like, oh, there's, like, no one here compared to the amount of people that were at the March for Life. And so that was kind of interesting and to show really how many people really go to the March for Life and how these small crowds of only, like, 2,000 people get national media attention, but... The crowd of 750,000 doesn't.
0: Yeah, it was really funny. Um, I was on the the metro uh, in D.C. the day of the Women's March. I was going to do some touristy things, and there were a couple people very clearly heading to the Women's March based on the signs that they had. Uh, You know, nasty women was their favorite sign, it seemed. And even on the metro, for them on the way to the bus, there were more pro-life tourists just sitting there waiting to go to the museums (laughs) than... (laughs) People going to the Women's March. So uh, we wrote a blog post about it, you know. Even though the president was speaking, a lot of media outlets didn't cover it, but um, really the audience of the March for Life is, uh, it's nominally the Supreme Court justices, but it's all the people in D.C., Mm -hmm. all the legislators, you know, the president obviously, but more than that, all the people there who work in the federal government, all the bureaucrats, Mm -hmm. all the employees, all the people that serve them. And they all really know when the March for Life is every year because Washington, D.C. is swamped with pro-lifers. And if nothing else, the metro and downtown traffic becomes horrible. And so that's, you know, they can't ignore it. And that's really the audience we're trying to reach. And they do take notice every year, even if they don't see it on... MSNBC, or in the New York Times.
1: Yeah, it's kind of cool, too, to see how some of them then get involved and will invite the different student groups and stuff to come and talk to them, like some of the congressmen and stuff. I think that shows that they really are listening and see how important it is to engage these young voices, too.
0: Yeah, it's so young. Every year it gets younger and younger, and I, I feel old. I'm only 33. I feel like a really old man while I'm there. Um Oh, I ran into uh, Ann Arbor Gabriel Richard's group. Oh, I had my I had my Gabriel Richard March for Life hat on from a few years ago. <laughs> and they bonded and with you. I didn't really talk with them much. <laughs>
1: did you see Katie? She was with them.
0: I did not see Katie Parada, who is uh, um, one of the former uh, Students for Life campus presidents at Eastern, right? Yes, Eastern Michigan, Eastern. yeah. Who's still in Ann Arbor working in some pro life stuff. Um, no, I was leading a group of uh, from Students' Life of Michigan trying to get up closer to the stage. And um, that's where we kind of hit the natural block was this massive Ann Arbor, Gabriel, Richard students there. And some of them were looking at me funny like, you weren't on this trip. What are you doing with our hat on? Um, so
1: That's funny. Well, yeah,
0: it's Good to feel at home. Ann Arbor, <laughs> Ann Arbor people okay. randomly yeah. running into me in, in D.C. That's the other thing. At the March for Life, even though there's hundreds of thousands of people there, I always randomly run into people.
1: That happened to me once after the march. I went to, like, the there's a subway, like the restaurant subway, kind of by where the RNC building is, by the Capitol Hill Club. We just, like, ran over there, and I randomly ran into, like, people who went to high school with my cousins, and they, like, knew who I was.
0: Oh, really? And they, like,
1: came up to me. They're like, oh, you're Natalie. <laughs> I know who your cousin is. And it was really random.
0: Yeah, I uh, I ran into... Our fielder rep, D Bennett for West Michigan Right, oh. I actually, for some reason, I almost always run, randomly run into D in the March, but this was <laughs> at the dinner afterwards. Um, oh, okay. And so I, I ended up uh, having dinner with her. And then, um, who else did I randomly run into? Oh, our uh, oratory winner from last year.
1: Oh, really? Yeah.
0: He was, uh, should... he went with the Lifespan group in Detroit, which, oh, you know, okay. that's, that's, we're not affiliated with Lifespan, so I... I dinged him for being a little bit of a traitor, but uh, no, it's it's fine. He's um, in
1: college now, I think, right? Is or, he? I don't know. Was he a senior? I should Usually, know. you know,
0: usually we have underclassmen who win our oratory contest. I don't know what it is. He went to
1: nationals.
0: So. He had to be an upperclassman. He had to go to the national.
1: But so. The coolest thing that ever happened at the march was the one year it was so cold. Like, so cold. And one of the girls in our group, she had, like, dropped her gloves somehow Like, you know, Mm. between the commotion of all the march happening and, you know, you have your sign. Well, this random lady saw that, like, she didn't have gloves and, like, came up to her and was like, here, like, I have an extra pair of gloves and just handed (laughs) them to her.
0: Love saves lives. It
1: does. It does. (laughs) I thought that was kind of cool because there's not too many other places you could go where random people would come up to you because they saw you were cold and gave you gloves.
0: That's nice. Well, that's so positive and upbeat and <laughs> energizing, and we'll switch gears a little bit and go to the big news item from this week. Uh, Cecile Richards, CEO of Planned Parenthood. Uh, BuzzFeed is a uh, news website, a kind of a gossipy website, yeah, quotation, air quotation marks, um, very pro-abortion, but they reported that Cecile Richards was planning on stepping down. And I guess they have a board meeting. Planned Parenthood does next week, where they're gonna figure that out. So, um, you know, she's been leading Planned Parenthood for more than a decade, and under her leadership, Planned Parenthood has really become uh, a political juggernaut. You know, they always, you know, they always were involved in politics. They always were trying to make a name for themselves, but under her her leadership, their clients are way down, their services are way down, their abortions are way up, their budget has exploded one yeah. 5, nearly one point five billion dollars and um you add it all up and more than three million abortions
1: and it was yeah, it was interesting to then see'cause you know their you know claim that they're supposed to be like health care for women and like these champion for women. Then reading this BuzzFeed article, they were just talking about how much of a political champion that Cecil had become. And I thought that was a little almost ironic, because if you're really supposed to be standing for women and what women's rights are, shouldn't you not necessarily be as involved in the political sphere and maybe be focusing more on giving back to the community or the women?
0: My other phone is ringing. My office phone this time. Man, I can't can't get over it. Well, it's going to have to wait. Um, so this is what, how you know we're doing it in our office. You know, this is some low-tech <laughs> stuff right here. Um, so, to get back to the point, uh, do you know who uh, Cecile Richards' mom was? No. Do you know who Cecile Richards' husband is? No. Okay. Um, let's go to the lesson here. So, Cecile... Has politics in her bones. Her mom, Ann Richards, was the governor of Texas for like one term. Like she got elected, and then everyone in Texas was like, "Oh my, what did we do?"
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> and um,
0: and uh, right around the time that George did, I think maybe even George W. Bush beat I her. I think for... that's
1: the one he unseated, right?
0: Yeah, that might be the case. So um, yeah,
1: because her name sounds familiar. Thank
0: the Richards family for President Bush. And then um, her husband um, is a uh, leader with the SEIU, which is a very politically active uh, union. And so uh, she was well-connected to politics, and that's probably why they uh, hired her, is to take her in that direction. You know, I I have to think they did that. Um,
1: She's obviously connected politically.
0: Yeah, very well connected. I mean, in her tenure, she's been speaking at the Democratic National Committee. I mean, I wonder has has a has a president of National Right to Life ever spoken at the Republican National Committee? I I don't think so. I don't it know. could be, and you have to look back. But
1: I mean, they always have a pro life platform and stuff like that. Right,
0: but uh,
1: I don't know if they're like actively. In, I d- I would doubt it.
0: Yeah, it'd be really weird if the Michigan Republican Party their convention had. Barbara Listing come speak it, I mean we'd be like sure we'll speak every to anyone you know right. who wants us but that would be I don't know it would just be kind of strange and out of place um mm-hmm. and so uh she's done that you know and in the last couple of years Planned Parenthood has really gone nuts with and I can't get over this you know uh taking positions on tax reform, um, immigration, gun control, climate environmentalism, change. <laughs> climate change. Like, yeah. what does climate change have to do with abortion? I mean, I guess, you know, sometimes you always hear the argument, well, we have too many people and we need fewer people, which is a kind of gross way to say we need to call the human herd. Um, but, what? I mean, what could they possibly be thinking with uh, taking a position on tax reform.
1: Yeah, and you would think um, not to support them, but tax reform, you know, it's all the things that they've been doing are really going to help out in the the middle and lower classes. You you would think that would almost be a champion goal Uh for them, but not really relevant at all. But it has nothing to do with what their mission is. Their mission is supposed to be health care for women, not Raising taxes.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's strange. I mean, maybe they think they're going to appeal to uh, millennials, maybe, but, you know, you're you're splintering your faction. That's why Right to Life of Michigan and the pro-life movement is always focused like a laser on our issues. Because once you start, you know, abortion, infanticide, euthanasia, mm-hmm. those are our issues. Once you start adding an issue, you know, if you start adding tax reform to it, then, What about pro-life people who do or don't support this tax reform bill? And then you add in the environment to it. What about people, you know, you're splintering your support. It doesn't make make any sense. And that's not how institutions are supposed to work. They're basically becoming a political party.
1: Right. And even some of the political parties, you know, there are a lot of pro-life Democrats who are starting to feel disenfranchised too as of late. (laughs) Starting. (laughs) Right. And so it kind of just shows that, It's a lot. Abortion is a big enough issue within itself. You don't need to pile on five other things.
0: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if she is uh, totally retiring or if she's going to take some board position. Um, Why do you think she retired? Let's do some speculation here.
1: I'm not sure, but kind of along that was, I really liked what Abby Johnson said. Um, Because a lot of people are like, oh, this is just a huge win for the pro-life movement. But I I don't really think it's a win. Abby Johnson said, the pro-life movement should not look at Cecile Richards as a victory. Um, She's not leaving because of a conversion. She's probably more hearted now than ever. It's not a victory, but an opportunity to pray for her conversion. While she sits quietly thinking about everything she's done, I pray she hears the voice of God and our prayers. Because uh, I don't think that she suddenly is like, oh, I'm pro-life now. I think that maybe she's leaving among, like, the speculation of all the stuff that's going on with, like, the um, fetal um, body part trafficking and stuff like that, and realizing maybe her reign was coming to a screeching halt from that. Mm-hmm. I Definitely, you know, they're just going to put someone else in there who's equally as an awful person, and...
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they replace her with, uh, you know, I, I, I guess if I had to pick why she's retiring, I mean, she's been there for 10 years. It's, I don't want to be shallow, but if you look at her, she's aged like, you know, president's age. It's a very stressful job, um, and now they're under a federal investigation, you know. Maybe she just figures it's it's time to move on and let someone else take the reins. Now, it'll be interesting to see, and I have an interesting story about Abby Johnson from the march that we'll close with, Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they hire someone who is equally committed to politics, Mm -hmm. or, uh, I don't know, maybe their board will take some time and re-examine their lives and wonder, what are we doing? Um, So, uh, I think the next president they hire will be a really clear indication on whether they're going to double down on this politics mm-hmm. stuff or if they're going to move in a, another direction.
1: I think they're probably maybe a little worried about their future too, which is good, especially with the federal investigation, because that's something they've been able to curtail forever and never actually been held accountable for any like thing like that before. And now that they finally might be, I think they're maybe shaken in their boots a little bit more than they would lead on.
0: Yeah, so I will so I'll end uh, here with that story about um, Abby Johnson, um, which is a really good one, and I, I've forgotten to put a blog post up about it because this, this is really interesting. So I was at the uh, the Family Research Council every year, it has a digital convention called Pro-Life Con, and they have it in the morning right before the march, um, and they actually, you can go there for free. It's not really for a live audience. It's really for online stuff. It's really people uh, talking in front of a camera. And then there's like maybe 30 or 40 people there. You do not really get a chance to talk to anyone there. There's no real networking. I did meet our uh, some of our counterparts from Ohio Right to Life, but um, I was just sitting there and Abby Johnson was one of their guests for this pro-life con. And she got up and um, she gave a really interesting message, kind of just along the lines of Cecile Richards leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, it's tempting to uh, despise these, you know, abortion mm-hmm. clinic work doctors, workers, the, you know, the clinic escorts who are really mean to pro life people. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, it's tempting to despise them because what are they doing? I mean, it's they're killing people on a mass scale. I mean, it's horrible. But you know, you never know when one of them has a change of heart and they can bring everything down. And um, so she encouraged pro-lifers to remember that when you're talking about the abortion industry, they do read you and they do hear it. And, you know, any opportunity you have to uh, get them to stop doing what they're doing Mm -hmm. is a better use of your words. And she used, she had an amazing example there. Um, Does the name Adrian Moten mean anything to you? Adrian Moten? Maybe. Um, so the, the Gosnell trial happened before you were here, but she said That's
1: that... That's the girl from... Or they they were involved in that, right? Yeah. Okay, because I, I remember that from the Grand Rapids dinner. And they played the video of her. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It gets better. Okay. It
0: gets a lot better. Um, and so she talked about Adrian Moten as an example. Um, she said that after the Gosnell trial and all, Gosnell went to jail and his wife and all their employees, she actually, instead of just uh, condemning them, she actually wrote a letter to each of them. Several letters, like trying to get them, because that's her, her mission, is to get people out of the abortion industry. And So she kept writing letters to all of them and um, you know none of them responded until one day she got a letter back from Adrian Moten who was uh, one of the employees there who was actually you know, doing these mm-hmm. grotesque abortions where they're basically just mm-hmm. cutting the spines of babies. But um, if you read the grand jury report, um, she was the one that took a photo yeah. of one of the babies that helped convict yeah. Gosnell, and she saved the photo. She didn't delete it. And then if you read the Gosnell book, um, um, which the makers of the Gosnell movie that's coming out wrote, uh, they talk about her as very... Conflicted and haunted by what she did, and she actually sent a letter back to Abby Johnson. And so she talked about the letter, and then she invited Adrian Moten to get up on camera with her. Wow! So we're at the Family Research Council, mm-hmm. pro life con, and we have one of the people who's actually convicted in the Gosnell mm-hmm. trial. There, she got a light sentence because she, um, you know, testified against Gosnell and all the others actually get up on camera just a few years later, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, you bring it all back to the love-save-lives and you don't care about women after they're born and all those silly talking points, you know? Um, You know, the pro-life movement is for everyone, Mm -hmm. the unborn child, the elderly, the frail, and it's also for everyone. Mm -hmm. So if even, if Bernard Nathanson, who did 50,000 abortions, can um, you know give up, repent, and become a, a pro-life voice, then anyone could be a member of the pro-life movement. It Even just, Adrian Moten, a Gosnell yeah. employee.
1: It just really shows how powerful and important keeping that positive messaging is, and that's really how we're going to be able to win people over.
0: Love saves lives and love changes lives. It does. it does. It does. All right. Well, that's all we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again in two weeks. Uh, we'll maybe talk about the abortion industry because that's one of our uh, themes this year, um, holding the abortion industry accountable. And uh, hopefully by then we'll have some sort of uh, lead on where Planned Parenthood might go with their new president. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a wonderful week.